Hi, this is Christian Taylor. You are listening to Documentary First. I'm here with Michelle Coupe. Hello, everyone. <laughs> we are here in Michelle's house, actually. Uh, this is a, you know, sort of uh, off the cuff recording. I do not have Jason or uh, Josh here, so it's not really typically like we usually record our podcast, but at least we have one, which is pretty exactly. amazing. Uh, I am still here in Normandy, France, and we are regrouping, um, resting. We still have some meetings that we have to do for the documentary first um, new screening that uh, with the Carenton Project. So Michelle and I were talking about how we were just trying to review what's happened since the last podcast. It's there's been a lot of water under yeah. the bridge. And Christian, you've been on the run for like since the beginning of May, basically yeah. when we last met in Reims, and you did Reims, <laughs> yeah, in Reims with Danny and Flo. And so obviously you've updated the people about. Um, up until your leave when you were in Georgia getting ready to come over here. So yeah, that feels like a whole lifetime <laughs> ago. Like I feel like we lived a year in about two weeks. It's only been yeah. two weeks since uh, I last did a podcast. So the last podcast you heard, I was leaving for France and we were on a charter Delta flight with 29 World War II veterans, employees and veterans from Delta, Michelin and Best Defense Foundation and then we uh, took off. And I just want to say a little bit about yeah. that. Um, that had to be an amazing. Uh, it was over. it was really surreal yeah. um, just because I'd never done anything like this before. I didn't know what to expect. And um, I was blown away with the level of professionalism that I did see from the Best Defense Foundation as they were caring for the veterans that they were taking. Um, all of these veterans were 97, 98, 99, 100. Right. There was one that was like 103, I think. Um, That's, it's possible. Crazy. Um, and so they really, really took care of them. They had um, doctors around all the time. They were just completely attentive. Every veteran had a staff member or two helping them. And when we got to the airport in Atlanta, there was a huge reception from employees and all, you know, all sorts of, of people that are watching um, as all of the veterans came down to the gate. And when we got to the gate, one of the most exciting things, I don't know if you saw this, Michelle, but um, you know, typically when you go to a gate, it'll say where you're flying to. Oh, yes. Right. So when we checked in, it basically just said Normandy. Oh. And so it was just super cool because typically you fly to Charles de Gaulle. Right. And how long is it? I mean, you've done that run so right. many times. Yeah. I mean, that's so from Atlanta. Gosh, yeah, that's going to be like a seven to eight hour, depending on which direction you go. So that's a long flight. And Christian, I think I heard that it was like the first ever um, flight to directly from the U.S. to Normandy? Well, I did hear from uh, Tulai van Manen, who works on our Dutch night, uh -huh. our Dutch night. <laughs> I, you know who Dutch night is? Dutch night is a boy that I had a crush on in first grade. Where that came from, I have no idea. Hi, Dutch, if you're listening. <laughs> I've never forgotten about you, obviously. Um, no, the brave Dutch. Anyway, she uh -huh. basically said that that flights do fly into Caen. Right. But yeah, so, um, but not directly from the US. So okay. that's the big difference. Okay. 
Yeah. So that, that was amazing. Certainly never at Deauville because right. Deauville is a very small airport, very regional airport. So this had, there was a lot of negotiation that had to happen, but it's beautiful for the veterans because typically, I mean, tell me what happens when the veterans fly over from the U S how grueling is that for them? You right. Know? So typically, um, you know, they basically come on a flight from the U.S. to France, and depending where they are in the U.S., I mean, it can be from the West Coast, and that's a really long flight. And then, the, and the difference is, what makes it huge is that they've had a long flight, but, you know, we arrive in, they arrive in Paris, and so then there's a three, almost four-hour drive to get to Normandy. So that's really hard on those guys and, 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 and girls, gals. Um, but uh, so this flight really changed it for them to make it much more easier that they didn't have that long drive after such a long flight. Yeah, yeah. Um, Danny and Flo were just so happy to be with all of these veterans. Um, the veterans, of course, were all in first class. It was yeah. great to see them there. Um, we were in premiere, the premiere seats right behind them. So still lovely that they treated us so nicely. Uh, and then we you know, it was an overnight flight. So we boarded at nine. Uh, we had our little meal. So many people were watching the girl yeah. who wore freedom on the plane. That was very exciting to see. A lot of people on the plane had not ever seen the movie before. So it was great to have yeah. that captive audience and um, watch them watching the film. Uh, and then yeah, what was the reception like when you arrived in Deauville? Yeah, well, when what was interesting is that on the plane, people started coming up and talking about how special the movie was and watching it over there. And I just have to say, the other thing that I was blown away by during the night was the Best Defense Foundation's care of the veterans over that night period yeah. of time. Um, they were up all night long. You know, the veterans had difficulty operating their seats, operating yeah. the television, you know, things, up figuring out their food and the tray tables. And, and, and beyond that, it's, you know, how they're tired. How do they sleep? How are they feeling? Have they had their medication getting up and going to the bathroom? I mean, I just watched the veterans back. I'm sorry, the um, best defense foundation be so attentive to their physical needs. And I realized what a major job. It was a huge responsibility, I think on, on the part of, of, of Donnie Edwards and the best defense. I mean, that was to 29 veterans, yeah. I believe that is, you know, Yes, that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And they were obviously up to the... They were up to the task. Uh, all of the veterans got into Normandy well and rested and ready to for this big adventure. When we landed at Deauville, it was just all decked out. They yeah. had a, um, a huge greeting party there. We got water cannon salutes over the airplane oh, as we wow. drove in. Uh, and then there were just school children there who were singing bands that were playing. The hangar was completely decorated. And when all the band, uh, the veterans came off, they announced them that they were there. Oh, really? um, oh, wow. Yeah, they announced Danny when wow. she walked down the, um, the thing as well. So and then we went into the hangar and there were speeches by different people. And the ambassador to uh, France from the U.S. was there and they had a light, nice little reception. So, so it was really beautiful. It was a great kickoff. Um, it was what the town of Deauville did for these veterans. And uh, that was on December 2nd. And from there, 
we drove straight to the Carenton mm-hmm. to have our first yeah, I screening. Booked you, I booked you a little tight there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But you know, it was great. Uh-huh. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Celine at the cinema in Carenton. Yeah. Um, she's an amazing person. Um, you really did. Yeah, she was very supportive and really walked um, Flavia and I through the process of what to do and how to do it. And um, she and the uh, chain of, of, of movie theaters that she works for were just really great and very supportive. Let's talk about that just for one second, because it, it sounds easy now, Yeah, but it was not easy. There right. were several steps that you had to go through to make sure that we could show our film at that theater. Talk to me about what you had right. to do. So in, in France, in order to uh, show a film in a movie theater or in a public um, place where um, people are expected to pay, um, then you have to have a visa for it. And um, and that's a tax, right? That's a tax, right? Because in, in France, um, so cinema is somewhat subsidized by, um, I mean, making uh, movies, um, producing movies um, in movie theaters are sort of subsidized by the French government. And so um, the the National Cinema Association basically um, manages all that. And so, uh, so a tax, so when a film is shown, a tax is paid into that association, which then helps support um, cinema throughout France. Um, so you have to have a visa in order to do to show your film. Okay. So how, what did you have to do to get us the visa? <laughs> so to get the visa, we and we it's what they call a, a temporary visa actually, because uh, we don't have a French distributor. Uh, and so it makes it a little bit more complicated, but they do provide for a temporary one where you can do it for a certain amount of time, depending if it's a narrative or if it's a documentary. So with the documentary, we you can get a cinema I mean, a visa for up to a hundred showings. Okay. And so with that, there's, you know, it doesn't really cost anything actually I don't think they even charged us for it really yeah well that was good bonus (laughs) yeah and so um so really that was fairly easy just filling out this short form you just have to say when you're going to be showing all the all the showings um for the film and then um then really the movie theater then takes care of the rest which is nice too so they um put in the visa number and then they will pay out that tax (laughs) and so um and the movie theater here was very um with celine so they um in noisini um, which is a chain of movie theaters that they work for, she works for. And they then um, said, we'll split at 50-50 with whatever is left over after that tax is yeah. paid off. Yeah, it was really, um, it was great. And it wasn't, um, the. I think the first screening was on the second was probably our best, wouldn't you say? Like yes. the, our most well what, attended. Did, yeah. Um, and then- we had some some other screenings after that, but that was definitely the most well attended. And then um, it sort of kicked off our week, our D-Day experience. Um, the next morning on June 3rd, it was the Carenton Purple Heart Lane day. So we spent so much time um, sort of on Purple Heart Lane waiting for the parachutes to drop. 
Uh, how do you feel now that you've been to so I mean that was your first very first event yeah. when you came with Hunter how do you feel about that now that you've you know now you've been back a couple of times for Purple Heart what yeah it's it interesting like? for you to ask me that because this was a very unique experience this year I really feel like there's something special when I go there yeah to that 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 activity uh I don't know, for me, that is, that's my D-Day in a yeah. weird way, because it just was where everything began for me. And this year, Jonah was with me. That's right. In uniform. And so Jonah had never been to Normandy during D-Day and he was there and that was his first D-Day thing as well. Yeah. So in a weird sense, it recreated that initial time for me in a, in yes. a unique way. And then this year, um, there was an added little bonus, which was I was there to be interviewed for the girl who wore freedom, though they have this like big trailer where they do a lot of announcing and presenting. Um, so I was able to do a pre presentation and then um, had a Q&A with Thomas Boisson. Oh, I and, forgot about that. Yeah. And then he was, they were wanting to tell the story of the Battle of Carenton. And so they did it in French and then I narrated it in English. So I felt really a part of this particular Purple Heart yes. Lane ceremony this year tom rice who was uh, our veteran in grueling glory was also there oh, he was. and he Good. came by and met jonah so i had pictures with tom rice and jonah oh. this year on purple heart lane so it was very special yeah it was very special it felt very much like the first one so um it was a great day and then from there as you know you walk to the cabbage patch ceremony right which was the longest Cabbage Patch ceremony I've ever been at. It was extremely long. Really? Yeah. For yep. just the speeches or? There were um, long speeches. Yeah. I think they added music this year. The veterans were late. Yeah. Um, so the 29 veterans from the Best Defense Foundation yeah. had been at Mont Saint-Michel. Yeah. And then, um, so that kind of drew everything out because yeah. then they had to get them all seated. Anyway, it was a long day, but it was a beautiful ceremony in a way to to remember those that had yeah. fallen there and uh, so that was very sweet two guys got their medal of honor legion french legion of honor there that day have you ever explained that no what, please what they do no go right ahead yeah. please no, explain. i mean it's um so the the french it's it's complete protocol and so um obviously it's the highest honor so um it's it's very official and um and so a certain person, and I don't know all of the details, um, but a certain uh, person has to be able to give it to the person who receives the Legion of Honor. And so, um, so, but it's not like knighting like the, the English do. But no, but I mean, they take it very seriously yeah. because I, I started working with Dick Rung, who's a Wheaton resident. I just recently found him. He was coming over for D-Day. And I was hoping he could get his Medal of Honor for D-Day. And I thought, oh, this will be an easy process. But because, of course, the French want to give a veteran a Medal of yeah. Honor on D-Day, you know. And I was able to prove that he had fought on French soil with all of his paperwork. And so you would think, bim, bang, boom, it should be done. Yeah. And I, my gut tells me that it probably wasn't done. I didn't see it. I didn't hear about it. And I think that's because... 
it has to go through so many levels of French. Right. The, the application part is very uh, grueling. <laughs> yeah. And um, so, yeah, the application has to be checked and approved. And um, but then when it is issued, um, then there's also another protocol to get through the ceremony of actually giving the um, the Legion of Honor to the individual. And so um, very, yeah, just a very serious, very serious and special. special. Yeah. So they gave two of those that day. Um, and then, you know, it was more D-Day activities after that. There was a Michelin dinner that we did with Michelin Best Defense Foundation uh, and Delta uh, in, and where was that? In Barneville. Barneville. Barneville at a big, huge, uh, the Normandy Institute. I think they have a big chateau there. Yes. Um, and my favorite part about that evening was, and this actually happened at Doville as well. You always have these ceremonies where everybody talks, you know, yeah. um, all the important people talk and then the ceremonies are over. Well, in Barneville, one of the veterans got up, who's really feisty and could walk and do his own things and said, you know what? These ceremonies are all for the veterans and veterans never get to talk. <laughs> and he got up to the microphone and started talking and telling his experience. I was really glad he did that. Yeah. And once he did that from going forward, other veterans were brave enough to do it. So at the Michelin dinner, I think there were three veterans who got up to oh, tell their awesome. stories. Yeah, yeah, it was it was fantastic. Um, so that was my favorite part yeah. about that, you know, Michelin dinner. Um, and then June 4th was the Angleville ceremony. Um, why don't you tell a little bit about what happens there? Um, that would be great, but you know, I've never been to <laughs> no way. Really? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Michelle Coupe. <laughs> I know, but there are so many. Yeah, there's so, so many. many. So, well, this so one's many, so sweet like um, because this church is Angleville en Plant. It's yeah. a beautiful church in this tiny little village where um, Bob Wright and Kenneth Moore, two American medics um, of the 101st, commandeered the church and they set up an aid station inside and they would not let anyone in the aid station unless they left their weapons outside. So they treated German, American, and French people in this little church. And after a couple of days of treating everyone, um, two German snipers came down out of the bell tower and surrendered to the medics. Um, so it's a powerful story. And there are still bloodstains on the pews and the stained glass windows have been replaced with um, stained glass paratroopers and, mm. you know, statues of liberty and, uh, you know, I don't know, American flags and things like that. So it's a very special place to be. They do a, mm. a, a Christian ceremony before they have the official service. So um, I attended that this year. So that was really special. And then it rained cats and dogs all the rest of the day. Or it ropes oh, fell. It, <laughs> yes. Ropes were falling. They, what's this for? What's the saying in French? Yeah. Uh, it tombe des cordes. It tombe des cordes. It yeah. happened all. It was raining yeah. ropes. Yes. That's what they say here. So um, we spent some time at the Normandy Victory Museum where we ran into your children, yes. which was nice to see them. And then we... Um, we spent the time hanging out there until we figured out what we should do, which finally was decided we should go to the stop bar. Stop bar the is the place. Stop bar in St. Mary Glees. If you've never been there, it is the place to go when the American military is in town because that's where they hang out to drink yeah. and then everybody goes to hang out with them. A lot them. of singing. A lot, lot of, of singing. A lot of drinking. Yep. And so I took my crew there. They had arrived by that time and 
I we all learned about Calvados for the first time. We did some shots. That can be a hard lesson sometimes. Yes. Did anybody have a hard no lesson? Nobody had a hard no. lesson. Oh, we sort of, good. you know, kept it easy, just yeah. to, you know, one or two shots. And uh it was it was just a fun night. We yeah. got to meet a lot of new people um from all over the place. And it was a great kickoff to my whole team being yeah. there and learning, getting that vibe of Normandy. Um, on the 5th was Lafayette. We spent um, the majority of the day at this big, huge field at the Merida Ray River, um, waiting for parachutes that never dropped. Wow. Um, finally, late in the afternoon, some did. And then that night, we were at the Normandy World War II Film Festival. Um, it was a combined event with a Q&A of the Band of Brothers. And so we... Um, were there at the reception to begin with where all the band of brothers were signing autographs and things like that. And then we went from there to the movie theater at the D-Day experience. And I was really looking forward to this and uh, I thought it was gonna be an amazing evening. It was definitely memorable, but it was not what I anticipated it to be. Um, yeah. yeah, it was- Disappointment. It was disappointing. Um, and I don't know that it was intentional. It's just the way things go. You know, you can't plan yeah. a lot of things, but, um, you know, it, I think it started late, the evening started late and the Q and A went for about two hours and it was supposed to be 30, 30 minutes. minutes. And then um, at, it was like 10, 15 and the movie hadn't even started. So, um, you know, when they took a break, to they gave me my award and then they were going to start the film. I basically said, you know, it's 10, 15 and this movie is an hour and a half. Yeah. So if you're gonna stay, that's great, but don't feel compelled. You yeah. certainly should go to the bathroom and get a drink. And um, and then the majority of people left. Yeah. So uh, that was very hard, including all of the Normandy World War II Film Festival team and crew and the Band of Brothers. Um, so that was that was kind of painful, and I was there till 1.30 in the morning. It wasn't yeah. what I was hoping for. Big deception. Yeah. So that wasn't good. Um, but the next day was D-Day. So it was, um, I'd never done this before, but I began the day on the beach at 6.30. Wow. Have you ever what done that? Not on D-Day. It was so powerful, Michelle. I really think that you should try to do it. It was, it was the most peaceful, the most beautiful, yeah. the most honoring time, I think, because it, it was at the time where the troops were landing yeah. and it was the people that were there were so dedicated to just remembering that moment. And tons of reenactors yeah. were there with their jeeps and costumes and people were there to lay roses in the sea yeah. and was it an organized event or no. was it just yeah no just everybody just, just comes on their own, on and, their own yeah. and does their stuff i'm sure the reenactment groups do their own thing and right. there were quote-unquote ceremonies there yeah. some of the american military guys showed up to go for a swim Oh. in the morning sea yeah i thought that was so um powerful yeah uh, that they really wanted to connect with the men that were yeah. there that day um people wrote um you know names of gis in the sand whether they had perished that day yeah. or whether they were veterans that had since died you know and 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 that is a good point because you know uh, being there in the morning at that time because 
you know, I don't know what the statistics are, but of all those who didn't even make it, you know, to the beach. And I know sometimes that there have been ceremonies or events organized where there's a commemoration to honor those that get, were lost at sea, that yeah. didn't even make it um, as far as the beach. And so that, I think that's also a good reminder. I know I think of them when I, when I do go to the beach, yeah. Um, just think about all those all those men we were actually at the beach today and yesterday oh. and it was the very the first time that i've ever been there just to enjoy the beach as a, um yeah. you know as a i don't know regular citizen you know just enjoy going to the beach people ask all the time do you go to the beach yeah. at utah beach and the answer is yes yeah um but i i never go without thinking of the price that was paid for us to go there and yeah. enjoy the beach in peace I think of that every time I go. Yeah, so. it was beautiful. Yeah, so June 6th was a, a, a special day where we um, went to the beach in the morning and then we went to the ceremony at the Dick Winters Monument. Um, that was, uh, that's always my favorite. Yeah. Uh, Charles de Valleville brings roses from Braycore Manor and gives them out to special people. And he gave me one, Aww. gave me a rose and I got to lay it at the foot of Deck Winters. And Bob Weber, who is in our film, was also there. Oh, he was? Yeah, Bob was there this he year? was there. Yeah. It was great. Uh, so, and then, um, you know, all of our team was there. Yeah. It was great to share that moment with them. So it was really our last day before the storm you know it was like right. the calm before yeah. the storm of production that was just about to happen and um so it was it was a lovely day yeah. um and then we went to bed kind of late that night and got up early the next yeah. morning and well, you had your uh, screening also oh yeah yeah we in did in yeah. and, and that yeah. was still well attended but yeah. just not a huge right. you know, filled movie theater um and then that night we celebrated the Utah Beach Museum's 60th, 60th yeah. anniversary. Um, so that was neat. That was, um, you know, Charles de Valivier is still, is the mayor now. And he is the director yeah. of the Utah Beach Museum. And so we did a lot of remembering Michelle yeah. de Valivier, his father. Did they show like any video yes, from they, early on? Yes, they did. Yeah. They, they had a, a three minute video, I think of of the entire, like um, how the museum came to be. Uh -huh. So that was, it was all in French, but I still got the idea. It was yeah. really neat to see how he had put it all together. Yeah. So, so that was, that was really great. Um, and then yeah, the next yeah. morning, production began yes. on the Carenton documentary that we are filming. We started, started easy. Yeah, we did start easy. <laughs> sort of. So why don't you talk about what we did that day? So the first day uh, we just planned to do interviews um, and at the Domain Airborne where you stayed at Christmas mm -hmm. with uh, Carly and Anya um, who have, um, I can't remember if you talked about Domain Airborne before, but they have a Dutch couple that came over and bought this old farmhouse, um, fixed it up and has turned it into vacation rental and uh, like a B&B. &B. And so they were kind enough to let us start filming. Mm -hmm. So um, interview with uh, Denis. Denis Vandenbrink was our Denis first Brink interview. Was the first one. Yeah, yes. good way to, to break in. But it was, right. it was a challenging day. Our... Our challenges began very first thing yeah. on, on that day and they did not stop. You would think <laughs> that, um, you would think we've done this before, you know, it's not going to be that All difficult. Right. Piece, of Piece of cake. As uh, the French say, finger in the nose. Is that what that means? That's what that, yeah. Finger means, in the nose means piece of cake. 
you know, like you in your nose is so easy. It's like your finger in your nose. <laughs> <laughs> All French sayings crack me up. Um, okay. Well, yes, we thought that was going to be a finger in the nose, um, but it was not. No. Um, the challenges rolled in and a lot of them were out of our control. Um, speaking of which, shortly after we started, there was a big, huge delivery of some sort of container. Right, right. That which, was beeping like crazy. Yeah. And then, um, and of course I had to urgently leave, but. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so I missed Denis and then you did Jean-Marie. Yeah. And then we had learned that one of the reenactor groups couldn't make it and could only do one particular scene that we had planned for the following day. So we had to ditch the last two interviews or we didn't have to ditch. We rescheduled the last two interviews so we could fit in a reenactment. Yeah. 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 It was unexpected. It was unexpected. And fortunately, our two interviewers, Patrick Fiso and Olivier Jouard, um, were kind enough to um, come back and yeah. interview on Friday. And, you know, we had an amazing team that kind of started that day. Um, Taylor Banowski was our producer. Mindy Cook was a cinematographer. Chad Gilchrist, cinematographer. Uh, we hired French crew. Um, Francois Demerc and Emily, I forget Emily's last name, yes. and then Tam's last name yeah, has escaped me. It's a long one knew. from Tahiti. Uh-huh. Um, so we we had three French crew members, and for the first right. time, um, that was just right. awesome. They they oh, worked they were out incredible, fantastically, they were very professional, and had great sense of humor mm-hmm. and personalities. And um, and actually, so the only person um, from the crew that had ever worked with you before on a shoot was Rick. Was Rick Arbazani. Yeah, yeah. he was our uh, UPM for the Girls Daddy for Rick. Freedom. And <laughs> yeah, now he's known as Daddy Rick. Uh, he and I are the oldest ones of it. I do think he's older than me. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was so great to have him there, yeah. um, to have him back. He was a great, he's great guy to have on set. Ready to do yeah. anything and everything, so. But, you know, he said at our sort of rap party, uh-huh. uh, on the last night, he goes, you know what? I have worked on sets, you know, for the last 15, 20 years, no set have I ever worked on where everybody's gotten along this well. And, you know, things have gone this well, which is ironic to say, because we had so many difficulties, uh, so many curveballs that we were thrown. But what I did love about that is how everybody responded to the curveballs and how everybody handled themselves in the midst of that. And nobody freaked out or panicked or, and I give a lot of credit to our producer, Taylor Banowski. She, uh, she's got a cool head and she really works the problem, whatever it is. And, um, you know, everybody kind of did yeah. that. Yeah. Find solutions and go with it. So yeah. So, and we're going to have Taylor and Chad and Rick, we're going to have everybody yeah. on this podcast. So I kind of don't want to go into all right, of the, the details. details. Um, we did end up filming everything we came to film. Ironically, right. I have no idea how that yeah. happened. The but... only thing we didn't get was the man in the street, but right. we can, we'll do that. And time. I don't even know that if that'll be necessary. Yeah. If it'll even be necessary. Yeah. So um, but everything essential to the, I think the yeah. teaser that you want to do, you've got. Yep. Yep. I think we can certainly do the teaser that we will use then to try to raise money to finish. I will definitely need to come back. There yeah. are things that we did not get this time that for the final film, I will need to have another probably five to eight day shoot. I think, yeah. um, 
And Taylor, (laughs) Christian, um, you were saying the other day too, that you liked the shorter, um, production days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think we had uh, what, I don't know, 16, 18, 19 days when we filmed in 2018, this was four days of shooting. It was really compact. And I, I do feel like we were just all exhausted by the end of it. And it right. really was nice to build it, you know, to, to be able to rest and to stop. So, yeah. um, I think that the stuff that we, we did so much pre-production in the beginning and a lot of the things that I wanted to mistakes, I wanted to correct uh-huh. from the girly war freedom shoots we corrected. Yeah. Um, and I think it made it possible then when other things out of our control happened, um, we just weren't thrown completely off guard. Right. We were yeah. able to continue filming. And yeah. so anyway, yeah, we'll have to talk about all of those things. So we did two days of interviews, right. And then we did two days of reenactments and, um, the reenactment scenes, there's been, you know, postings on Facebook and yeah. stuff like that, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, just about some of the scenes we were doing, but they were beautiful. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and a shout out to the reenactor group. Yeah, the, they were called the French Klondikes, French yeah. Klondike group. They weren't supposed to be with us, um, but like for half a day. Uh-huh. And because all these other reenactor groups canceled, the French Klondikes were with us for the entire, entire two days. Yeah. Um, actually in three days, really, because they did the cheap one in right. the beginning. So, and then, yeah, so two full days. Yeah. And they were amazing. One of the things that does concern me and we'll figure it out in the edit is Uh the fact that we had the same group of guys. And so were we able to film, you know, um, were we able to film right, it in a way? Right, because Chad came up with, uh, I mean, we'll let Chad talk about that more, but he, the idea that he came up with to kind of fill in yeah, and make it appear that there were lots of soldiers. So hopefully that will, yeah, that will turn out well. We will see how that works. So hopefully Chad was thinking on his feet and he yeah. was making lots of um, creative and intuitive decisions. And another addition to the team was Marcio. Oh man, Marcio Barrera. He is a photographer, videographer that works at Disneyland. And we hired him to be a behind the scenes um, photographer. And the plan about this was reenactors love to have photographs of their reenacting. And so the plan was that we would give um the reenactors, the photos. So we would hire Marcio to come and take the photos. And then Marcio would then give the photos to the reenactors. And that definitely worked. They loved Marcio being there and maybe a little bit too much. Yeah, maybe a little (laughs) bit too much. Um, And uh, she is referring to a scene that happened, which I actually want to cover with Taylor when Taylor's here. But um, it was definitely had to do with Marcio photos, um, Germans, reenactors, and uh, what's allowed and not allowed in France. Uh, So more on that to come. Just a little teaser for you for the next time. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so anyway, that was Marcio was, was great to have on the team. And I didn't anticipate doing sound for those, um, reenactment scenes because they're going to be MOS, but Francois and Emily, our sound crew really wanted to be a part. And so they basically volunteered their time to go and be, get, you know, the ambient sound of those things. So yeah, I, I was wondering about that, and um, it'll be interesting to see if if it can even be 
used or not. But, yeah, we'll um, see. We'll have to ask yeah. Jason Hoven. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jason, you're going to love it. I mean, you would have loved these guys. Uh, Jason, you should have been there. Yeah, yeah he would have eaten it up. Uh, but, you know, so now he'll have less work to do um, in the Foley area if he's yeah. able to use a lot of this sound stuff that we did. So um, so that would be super cool. Um, so yeah. Overall, a positive uh June 6th commemorations and film shoots? Yeah, overall, I would absolutely say yes. Our team, um, we had an amazing time. I will say we had difficulty with our base camp and the place where we were living. Um, it was a jeep run by French people who, um, don't like Americans. who don't like Americans. And I mean, we do we do earn that reputation when we go abroad, unfortunately, in France. We can be loud, we can be rude. Sometimes we can't pay our bills and sometimes, or we don't pay our bills. And sometimes, you know, people in France think that all Americans are like that. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think the stereotype kind of hit there and they've had bad experiences, but they, um, but there was, there was, they were, it was inexcusable for their behavior as well too, I will, yeah. I will say. And it also changed once our French crew members showed up. All of a sudden they got really nice to us. So I don't yeah. know what, what that was about. Yeah. But. So that was unfortunate and, and another lesson learned yes. and we'll do it differently next time. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. But I do, I was proud of our team and I really am proud of the lessons we learned yeah. and um, you know, kind of what we have going forward. I can't wait for Bill Evil to see our footage and see yeah. what we can kind of come up with. So um, one of the things we haven't touched on was craft service and um, catering. And you, my <laughs> friend, knocked it out of the park with that. Michelle shows up. She was out of town. She went to Mexico. I don't know what she was know, thinking about going to Mexico during D-Day, but she was gone until June 6th. Six. And so, but, so she shows up, um, on our shoot with quiches, homemade quiches and homemade chocolate chip cookies and sandwiches and people were just, they could not believe it. Yeah. Like they've never eaten that well on a set before. <laughs> so, um, you well, kept way, us going the way through the heart is through the stomach. Right. Yes. And apparently so, got to keep people happy. So yeah. that's, so thank you for yes, that. That was yeah. huge service. You know, Michelle has always been boots on the ground for us. And I was thinking, you know, um, in some senses, you're a beautiful fixer in uh -huh. the film industry where like, you know, everything, if we say, can you get this or that, yeah. you know, where it is, um, you know, the people, you know how to make it happen. And um, you're just a wonderful asset for what we need to do. Right. So thank you for well, everything you. that Thanks you for did. Thanks me on the project. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. First time, this time, next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure there will be more. I have, oh, by the way, it was so funny. Did you hear about the Italians? So. Oh, no, but no, I was, I thought, yes, I think I overheard you say something, but I thought it was Sam. I thought it was your, um, your American friend living in Poland who was putting together a project too. Well, he is. Right. So we had um, at the Dick Winters Memorial, some guy comes up and introduces three Italians to me uh -huh. who run a museum in Italy who are looking for a film crew to tell Italian stories because no one's telling yes, yeah. World War II oh, Italian stories. Italy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's, I got to follow up. Well, I got to oh. follow up with that email. So um, yeah, there were Italian people that were asking us if we could do that. And then there was a group from Poland that oh. was interested in having us come and tell their stories. So 
So you just never know what's yeah. going to happen next. Let's we'll do one at a time. But it's nice that people are respecting our filmmaking enough to say, hey, come tell these stories. Yeah. There's some great stories there. So all in all, it was an amazing D-Day. And thank you so much, Michelle, for being here with me today. Everyone yes. else is gone. Uh, thank you for helping me kind of put together the week. We will go into more detail about uh, the specific shoots, specific days, different people's roles. Um, as they recover and are ready to get yeah. back on the podcast. So uh, for the next week, I'm going to be staying here in Normandy and we're going to be meeting with mayors and uh, other officials as well as past um, cast members for the Girl Who Wore Freedom and just tying up a bunch of loose ends and figuring out when we can come back to do the pickup shoots and things like that. So, and maybe I'll get a little rest in here and there. <laughs> so anyway, thanks so much for listening, everybody. You can um, watch the Girl Who Wore Freedom at thegirlywarefreedom.com. Uh, you please join us on Patreon for all extra bonus material. We've been taking so much extra footage of things. So We've got some great stuff for Patreon. And thank you so much for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you for listening, donating, and following along on our journey. We are supported by generous donations from people just like you. To make a donation, visit thegirlywarefreedom.com or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash documentaryfirst. To learn more about our other works in progress, visit documentaryfirst.com or follow Documentary First on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. This podcast was produced by Documentary First, edited and mixed by Jason Hoban, with music by Jeff Kurtenacker.